we have a wonderful morning of celebration today as I believe it's five folks are getting baptized. And, uh, and that, that number may not be exactly correct, but however many it is, three, three, I got three, I got three, I got three, I got three, 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 four, anybody give me four. So three, uh, we got three amazing people being baptized today. And I don't mean to make light of that. It's just a celebration kind of thing. And, uh, you know, if anybody is here and they decide they want to make their proclamation of faith, um, you can always come up and do that as well. But we celebrate today. Um, and uh, it's beautiful. So today, if even if you're at home, uh, we are get, we will have a camera right on there so you can take part, be a part of baptism and all that's going on with that. Uh, we'll be doing communion a little bit differently today because we do have the baptism celebration. And Pastor Claire will give us those directions for a more self-serve way kind of communion today. So she will let you all know that when she comes up and it's time. Friends, if you're uh, at home today, as always, you can find out information uh, about the church at CCM Online. online. Wow. It's going to be one of those days. It's a 52-year-old mouth and new teeth, apparently. Um, You can look at ccmonline.org. And, of course, you can give at ccmonline.org slash give. Uh, Folks in the room, uh, as always, we have our sticky notes here for prayers. Um, uh, Again, because we won't be doing the full-length prayers of the people, we will still be praying with you throughout the week. So whatever your prayers are, you can write those down and bring them up as you always do. And just know that we will be putting them up in the office and our staff will be praying with you, for you throughout the week. So, But today, uh, as I've said, our main focus is on the celebration of the sacrament of baptism. And that is a beautiful thing. So again, our friends at home, we say welcome. This morning is from Isaiah chapter 25. Uh, and as we, you know, we're singing and practicing this morning, I've just been reflecting on how, you know, baptism is a declaration, but all these songs are singing about promises and just the beauty that those things go hand in hand in the way that we worship and develop our relationship with God. The confidence and the hope that we have and the promises always instill the declaration in the next day. Um, so let's read this together. You are a tower of refuge to the poor, O Lord, a tower of refuge to the needy in distress. You are a refuge from the storm and a shelter from the heat. For the oppressive acts of ruthless people are like a storm beating against a wall or like the relentless heat of the desert. But you silence the roar of foreign nations. As the shade of a cloud cools relentless heat, So the boastful songs of ruthless people are stilled. In Jerusalem, the Lord of Heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against the land and people. The Lord has spoken. Amen. So however you pray, just lift your hands and bow your head or fold your hands and lift your head. However, this morning you want to acknowledge that God is God. You want to say, oh, God, I'm here. I'm here. I made it. It was not easy. Or I couldn't wait. Just whatever is true. I I wanted to bring my alleluia to you. I wanted to bring my praise to you. I wanted to bring my prayers to you. I wanted to bring all that concerns my family and my friends and my world here to you today. I wanted to pray for the world. I wanted to pray for my friends and I want pray for myself. Can you say that? Whatever is true for you today, whatever brought you in the door, and just know that God sees you. And God is looking at all of us with love on this morning. Let the gaze of God's love just cover you in this place. 
Let the gaze of God's love, let the presence of the Holy Spirit just fill you and surround you here. Knowing that God said, welcome, welcome when you walked in the door. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Just feel the love of God in this moment. Take a breath and know that if you're still breathing, the mercy of God is meeting you on this day. New morning mercy. Know that you can ask God to heal you and cleanse you and forgive you, even in this moment. We need you, God. Above all other prayers in this place, we need you. We need the one who is the shepherd of our souls. We need the one who calms our anxiety, the one who lifts our head. We need you. So in whatever way you want to say to God, I need you this morning, know that that is a salvation prayer for whatever you're facing. I need you. wouldn't mind if you came with someone and you want to take their hand or put your hand on their shoulder and say, oh God, my friend needs you too. We all need you here today. Creator of heaven and earth, of all that is and all that is to come, we need you. And so bless your friend today. Give him a big hug and say, yep, you need God. (laughs) Right? You need God. Yes. Yes, I do. Oh, so beautiful to be with you all and um, to be able to partake at the table, to come and receive bread and wine and nourishment for our souls and to celebrate the, the new baptismal folks. So if we could have our guys lift that lid. We try to keep the water as warm as possible. Even though if we were in the, you know, the Jordan River, it might be like, wait in the water. A little colder. But here we are celebrating our faith, our hope, and our love together. Yeah? Yeah, we are. We are celebrating our faith, our hope, and our love. And God gave us the church to celebrate with. Bible says that Christ is the head of the body, and aren't you glad there's not another head? Whew! Glad it's not you. Glad it's not me. (laughs) Christ is the head of the body, and the body is the church, and the body of Christ is the living representation of God on the earth. And so wherever you've been this week, I've been some places, I gotta tell ya, been to a couple of Matthew tax collector parties and had some fun there and, um, and got to be with people who maybe don't know Christ the way that I do. And so I got to be with them and to share my faith. Some of you have been teaching in classrooms and others of you have been sweeping floors for people and making meals and creating space for people to know that they matter. to think that you can be a representation of the reality that somebody matters on behalf of Christ? I mean, I think we ought ought to be humbled here, right? For real. And so when people decide that they want to be baptized, I'm going to read through a few, uh, just a few thoughts from them. But I hope that we're all going to renew our desire to be baptized afresh today. That there might be something really significant that happens with with us and God. And that even as we watch water drip on people as they come up out of the water, you know, baptism isn't magic. Can y'all say it's not magic? Right? And the water is really, it's like a, God is so smart that we were given 
the kind of prayers to pray with our bodies so that we could remember things. Have you ever been really hot and somebody gave you a cup of water and you remember what that felt like? Have you ever been really hungry and somebody prepared a meal for you and you're like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I needed, right? Have you ever been cold and somebody brought you a blanket or a coat? Remember what that felt like? That's baptism. That's why things like baptism, God gave us ways for our body to feel things that our heart wants to say, right? And we want to we re-enter into the feelings of our comfort and shelter and salvation and healer as we watch the water drip from our friends. And so will you pray with me for our friends? And we'd love for you to stand and worship with us. And we just want to say, oh God, for our friends that are going in the waters of baptism, we bless them, we pray for them. We pray whatever they need, God, spirit, soul, and body, that you would meet them. It's what we're praying for them today. And so we bless our friends as they come. And then we're going to give you the opportunity to practice a sacrament at the same time. It's a body prayer. And you'll be self-serving your own self or your family today. You'll come and take the bread or the wine for your people, bless each other, and say, this is for us. This is Christ's love for us. Because on the night Jesus was betrayed, he got together with his betrayers. Did you all know that? Not perfect people. He got together with people like us. And he took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat, remember me. And after supper, he lifted up the cup and gave thanks. Don't you love it that even Jesus gave thanks, even though he created the elements? So take this, all of you, and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant, which is written in my own blood. And every time you drink, remember me. So today as you come and partake of elements, as you watch the baptisms, we just want to say, let your body feel the feelings God intended. Your taste buds, your smell, your walking, your holding elements, your watching, your sight, your hearing testimonies. And let's let the fullness of Christ's love fill this room, we pray. Whenever you're ready. Well, will you greet one another today and say, This has been a good start to a wonderful Sunday that we have celebrated baptism, we have celebrated taking communion together, and that our morning has just begun as we continue to learn and we continue to grow in the goodness of God. And today as we greet one another, oh man, I see some awesome dudes out there and dudettes that have got their stickers on and ready to go to kids' church today. And I know they're going to get to experience the goodness of God in an amazing way, uh, uh, in an expanded way. Even as we've been celebrated with some young people here today in baptism and celebrated with every age of baptism, we continue to celebrate our kids So can we pray together, guys? Let's pray for our offering. And yeah, if you didn't have a chance to have communion earlier, you could come up at this point too and get it. Um, uh, We don't want you to feel like you've missed out. And so, but we do want to pray for our offering and pray for these awesome kids uh, who are going to go up to Kids Church and even some awesome kids who are dancing that aren't quite ready for Kids Church. I see out there. But let's pray together first for our kids and then for this offering as we give into the work of what God is doing here at Crossroads Church. God, we thank you uh, for these amazing kids, from the youngest to the oldest, God, as they get ready to go upstairs and to learn from adults who care about them and who desire to show your love to them, oh God. So God, we pray that you bless them, protect them, 
Let them experience your love and your joy together today. And we pray for this offering as well, thanking you for the work that we get to do as we give in together. The work that happens in this church, the work that happens throughout the state and throughout the world. So we give with joyful hearts into this offering and are grateful for your goodness and your love for us. And it's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Uh, Just a few things to share with you before we continue on in worship and uh, the message today. Welcome. I think Don already gave everyone a welcome. So we are so glad that you're here with us today. And I want to tell you about some of the things happening here at Crossroads. On Wednesday evening, we have uh, Samuel's Bible study that has started and is continuing. Yes, I know there are several fans of that, not only in the house, but from other countries that are attending that, um, that Bible study. So if you can't be here in person, he does a hybrid version, so join in anytime. Uh, also, I want to tell you that we have the, coming up... The Michigan Human Trafficking Task Force Train the Trainer, October 17th through the 18th. And so that's this week. So we're going to be hosting the Train the Trainer. Uh, Michigan Human Trafficking Task Force provides victim-centered, evidence-based, trauma-enforced training for agencies from all over the state of Michigan. So Crossroads family, you are providing that. So yay that we are educating people and bringing awareness. I also want to tell you we have shape class coming up, and I will be leading the shape class, and it's not an exercise class. Shape is an acronym for S's for your spiritual gifts. You'll find out your spiritual gifts, your uh, heart's passions, your abilities, your personality, and all of your experiences, and how God wants to just bring all of those to light and form those and allow you to see the design, your God-given design and purpose will help you to fit into your um, personal life, your professional life, your ministry life. So we have a lot of fun with that. And uh, just so you know, I that says Thursdays, but it's supposed to be Wednesday. So it's three Wednesdays, um, and that's what happens when I make my own slides. So that was my mistake. So that will uh, that's supposed to be Wednesday. So if you're interested in that, come see me at Next Steps after service, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. And then we have a bonfire coming up, and that's uh, October the 28th. That is for the uh, for the youth. So, October the 28th, 6 to 8 p.m., right here in the courtyard. And then another, so many things that are happening here at Crossroads. Uh, I hope you join in at least one or two of them. Discovery Retreat, retreat, November the 18th, which is a Saturday, and that's going to be from 10 to 1. Uh, High school age and older, so it's a discovery retreat. You'll discover how good God is in your life and how to connect with him and if it's something you want to continue to do for the next um, season and for 2024, a great way to enter into 2024. So you can sign up for that online or on the um, online or right over here at Next Steps. And then one more thing, we are in need of cleaning volunteers. So if you're someone who says, I want to do something, I don't know what to do, I don't have time to prepare, I don't have... Uh, time during the day. I don't have time during the evenings, whatever. We will work with you. We'll tell you what to do. You can come at your leisure and clean. um, And Jill will tell you how to do that and how to connect. And we'll take whatever hours you can give us. It's not a life sentence either. So if you say (laughs) I can do it for a month, we'll take you for a month. Okay? So don't forget to uh, follow us on Facebook, check out our website, and you'll be able to find out all that's happening there. Okay? All right. Thanks, Kathleen. Uh, Claire's. Yeah, there are a lot of great things going on. Amen. Amen. Hope you are all doing well this morning. Um, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we started a series uh, called The Abundant Life. And um, I just really would encourage you to maybe go back and... Uh, Listen to the last couple weeks if you haven't been around um, because we're kind of trying to build some momentum with uh, our conversations. And uh, today, 
I want to kind of pick up where we ended up last week. Um, my hope was to go into the parable of the sower today, but I'm not going to, I don't think I'm getting, as a matter of fact, I know I'm not getting there. Um, but I, I have some other things that I want to pick up. So where I want to start is kind of where we left off. And uh, if we could just stand, if we're able, and I want to go to the scripture here, uh, Psalm 16, verse 5 through 7, and let's read this together because I, I really want to start. Um, I want to start at a place of gratitude. So as you read this scripture, as we read this scripture today, um, is the slide not working? As we as we do this scripture today. Claire and I, we just gaze at each other, so we don't. (laughs) Thank you. Anyway, as we read this scripture, um, Claire's my wife, if you didn't know that. I mean, yeah, so it's important probably to add that. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, been gazing at each other for over 43 years now, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we read this scripture, let's read it with a heart, a mind, and literally, as Claire's already invited us to pay attention to our body, but let's read that and take it in with a heart of gratitude. And I want you to think about how God has set your boundaries uh, as we read this and the goodness of the boundaries that God has set in your life and the blessing, the abundance that he's given to you as we read. Let's read together. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. You can go ahead and sit down and just let's just sit with that for a bit. And I want you just to think about your life. And I want you to think about your portion that God has given to you or your family, perhaps. The cup that God's given you, the boundary lines, pleasant places, the inheritance that has come, not only with your relationship with Jesus, but just the inheritance of your life the good things that have been passed on to you. So good to start every day, I think, in a place of gratitude. Just a beautiful practice. I I know that Many of you, if not all of you, have already started that as this day we've entered in, but now we've entered into this place of gratitude corporately um, before we just approach this conversation a little bit further. So last week, we uh, I I gave you one of the questions I gave you last week was, um, how much is enough? Like, uh, maybe you've never thought of that for your own life, but how much is enough for you? Have you thought of that? Um, And we talked a little bit about um, that, uh, you know, the diversity of God's provision in our lives, our lives, um, really has to do uh, primarily based on call. Like God, I I had mentioned last week, and I'll mention it over and over again, God provides for what God calls for. So God has a calling on each one of our lives, and each one of those callings takes a little bit different resource. So part of uh, living an abundant life is to pay attention to what the invitation is for your life. And then these other things like resources and that follows that and you pay attention based on that. Like you could say, enough for me would be, you know, a half a million dollars a year, for instance, if you're talking about money. Um, But what is that based on? So it's a good question to wrestle with and to wrestle with, um, you know, as time goes on, because I think that sometimes that changes. Uh, But the first thing I want to talk to you about here is the issue of contentment and limitations. So based on that, um, are you content with your boundaries? 
So um, I think that one of the things that's helpful for us is to set targets. Some people would call them goalposts. So based on the life that you've been given by God, what are the uh, limitations to that? And have you set targets? Like the reason that it's important to say how much is enough is because otherwise you can get caught in just this continual pursuing more. That's kind of the story of our culture, isn't it? It's just like you just keep going for more um, if you're not paying attention to the fact that there are limitations. There really are pleasant places, boundaries that God has set up for us. So then that helps us with all of the things like generosity and growing in generosity. Is if I know what, what are the things that God has spoken to my heart or our family's heart when it comes to these things, to set targets. Um, Really, one person says it this way, the most challenging financial skill for some is that they would stop moving their goalpost. In other words, like this never-ending, like I I joked around with you guys uh, last week, but it was true. I remember uh, as an an apprentice to become an electrician, when I got to $10 an hour, I thought, because I was making five, my pay doubled, and I thought, who would ever need more than $10 an hour? Um, and that would be me anyway, um, and probably everybody in the room, right? But then it seemed that way. So there's this part of your progression, especially when you're young and as you're going through your career and things like that, that the goalpost isn't something you change. It just changes because God's opened new doors for you. So that's not you changing the goalposts. That's just you're being blessed and you're, you're getting more released to it. However, it can get dangerous. Um, This is something uh, I want you to pay attention to. It can get dangerous when the appetite and taste for having more, more money, more power, more privilege, more prestige, increases your ambition faster than your satisfaction, humility, Gratitude, integrity, framework, your integrity framework, actually. Sorry about the comma, my fault. Integrity framework, like do you have the structure, do you have the character structure to handle the increase? And if you don't pay attention to that, the pursuit just becomes the the striving for more, right? And then... uh, is your generosity growing at least as fast or in, in, is it at least commensurate with the things you're in pursuit of? And then, of course, you don't want it to grow faster than your love of God, your love of neighbor, or your love of self. Um, it's interesting, uh, Warren Buffett, for instance, he was interviewed right after Bernie Madoff. Uh, most of you are probably familiar with Bernie Madoff, like the whole uh, financial scam that he tried to pull off, ended up in prison, but he wasn't the only one. Actually, during that time, there, was, there were a handful of uh, really high-profile uh, investment types, doing different types of investments, uh, that got into trouble. He was just probably the most high-profile, uh, but it became a big scandal, especially for those that kind of live in that realm. Uh, but what didn't get said a lot was Bernie Madoff was incredibly successful uh, as an investment person and was highly wealthy before the scam started. So you, do you understand? It wasn't like he showed up one day and had no reputation and people trusted him with like millions and millions of dollars, right? Like this guy was really hitting it out of the park. But this, he... it. he this is a great example of this. It's like he just kept going, and, and others just kept going. But this is what Buffett said uh, when he was asked about that. He said, to make money they didn't have and didn't need, they rest what they did have and they did need. And that is foolish. That is just plain foolish. If you risk something that is important to you for something that is unimportant to you, it does not make any sense. Let me read it to you again. To make money that they didn't have and didn't need, they just, they risk what they did have and did need, and that's just plain foolish. 
If you risk something, and this is applicable for all of us, isn't it? I mean, you can't you just feel this? Not just with our money, but just with, in our life. If you risk something that is important to you for something that is unimportant to you, it just doesn't make any sense. So the second thing that I want to mention uh, that kind of uh, speaks through this scripture that I think is important is how uh, poisonous and dangerous comparison can be. The Apostle Paul at one point, he said that we dare not compare ourselves by ourselves. There is a real danger in comparison, but we're kind of trained in comparing ourselves to others. That's what happens. Uh, Our culture trains us in this. Um, And we see this, uh, we see this like, and and we feel it like in, in Matthew 20, where Jesus talks about, maybe you remember the parable of the workers in the field, right? So there's a group that the, the kind of owner, business owner, sends off into the field and hires them. They go out early in the morning, promises to pay them a certain amount. Then there's another group that comes along. It's like halfway through the day or noon or whatever, sends them out, agrees to pay them, and actually agrees to pay them the same thing. Then there's the group, the next group, and this goes on. Then there's this group that goes out for just a little bit of time, and they get paid the same. And then when they all come back, those that work the longest have the biggest problem with it. Because they're like, well, we worked longer, we should get paid more. And Jesus says in the parable, well, um, I, wasn't I generous with everybody? I mean, I said what I was going to give the, the business owner, if you want to put it into that kind of uh, verbiage, makes a promise, and he fulfilled the promise, or she fulfilled the promise. And the problem was the poison is in the comparison. Like, well, why does that person get more than me? Because in the midst of comparison is this issue of uh, envy and keeping up with the Kardashians. We used to say the Joneses, but we never really knew who they were. But everybody knows who the Kardashians are, right? And it's dangerous to operate that way. Uh, Years ago, Claire and I, we, we have a good friend that pastors a really wealthy if you want to put it, he's in a really wealthy zip code. And um, he invited us to come. <laughs> he invited Claire and I to come to uh, his congregational vote just because we were really curious about like how, how other congregations, we always are, how they work. Anyway, um, this congregation was full of a lot of really wealthy people, and they were going to vote on his pay was an annual thing that they were talking about. And Claire and I were just sitting there observing. And anyway, it was like we, we really cracked up because like his pay was multiplied times over what Claire and I made together. Like multiplied times over, multiplied, right? I mean, it made sense. It was just that kind of a church and that kind of, they had that kind of resources. And he's obviously a better pastor than us. So... We, we got, we all, the three of us got such a charge of it after all, like the, after it was over the conversation and how it was so different. But I thought, and Claire and I talked about it later, it's like, I am so glad that, first of all, I'm deeply grateful for the boundaries that God has set in pleasant places for us. And I am so grateful for our friend that is, is compensated at that level. Because his call is connected to his provision, what God has given. So the problem is when we start to get envious about it, right? Now, um, with that, the the next thing I want to ask is how are you planning on increase? So last week we talked in Matthew 25, kind of got through it pretty much, but how the, the, the business owner or the master, it says... Uh, When he gives the talents away, there is this uh, admonishment for multiplication or compounding. Um, And there was one verse that I wanted to get to that we didn't get to, and it was verse 19. So how are you planning on increasing? Not just your money, but your money as well. How are you planning on bringing increase to the wealth that you're building? You have to go back to week one to understand fully what we're talking about there, but what you're going to pass on to the next generation. And in verse 19 in Matthew 25, it's really an interesting statement that's made, right? The, 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 
the master, I'm, I, like, I just want to say business owner, okay? The business owner sets out, um, and when he comes back, the scripture says in verse 19, it says, after a long time, the master returned to settle accounts. Everyone say long time. So you, re- you can read that scripture and think that there's like this unreasonable demand put on these folks to bring increase, but it's a long time. So um, they obviously, those that, that were effective here just leaned into a couple of different things. They were patient and they rested in the power of, com- of compounding. So um, I mentioned this months ago. Uh, well, first of all, let's step back. So let, let me help you practically. So let's say you're setting a target for financially how you wanna, what you want to leave for your children or your grandchildren or whomever, uh, whoever you're, you're thinking about, and, and let's say you set the target at a million dollars. Like when you leave the earth, you want to leave a million dollars, or it could be relational wealth, whatever it is. All those things are part of wealth. Could be a, a, a you know a certain whatever. It could be all sorts of things. All right. Think think materially. Think relationally. Think uh, fruit of the spirit. Like what do you want to leave when you leave this life for good? Let's just say a million dollars. So how do you plan on getting there? The the last guy that gets no return could say, "Well, I was going to play the lotto." You know, I was thinking a lotto would work out. Didn't say that, but there was no return. So there's this invitation to plan return. So how do you plan on getting there? Setting a target, setting a goal. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, well, uh, I'm old. Um, Or I should say some of us. I'm old and uh, it's too late for me to think this way. And I would just say this. Again, Warren Buffett, at 65, Warren Buffett, $3 billion net worth. At 92, $108 billion net worth. And he may be one of the primary pictures of compounding and patience the world knows in our present day. But, of course, that's really not most of our world. So let's forget Warren Buffett for a minute. God bless him. But let's go closer to home. And just think of it this way. If at 20 years old, you put $1,000 in the bank or in the stock market or whatever, and you were able to get 10%, the reason I would say stock market is stock market has averaged historically a little over 10%. So you put $1,000, you don't put any more money in. You let it sit there from the time you're 20 to the time you're 70 at 70 years old, with no additional deposits, you just keep letting that thing accumulate $117,391. That is the power of patience and compounding. Now, the reason why it's important to have these conversations is I believe we talk a lot about, maybe you've heard the terminology about uh, family systems theory, and we talk, I talked the first week, I think, about my grandfather a little bit, and that was kind of a family systems theory, right? Like my grandfather was an alcoholic, and again, you'd have to go back and listen to that. I don't want to re- replay all that. But we talk a lot, all of us, and we think a lot about what gets transferred, the debt kind of that gets transferred into our lives, just to call it a debt, like the hard things that have happened in our lives. What we don't, and we, we kind of try to navigate that and we negotiate it, but we're, we're usually not really good at is paying attention to, so I would call that vicarious debt. Like the people that have gone before you, for instance, in your family or people that were close to you that inflicted pain on you, that's kind of vicarious debt in your life. But there's also this vicarious riches or wealth And I don't think we're really that great about paying attention to what I would call vicarious net worth. However, there is a transference that has already begun that is the most remarkable transference of riches and wealth that the world has ever known. And by the by, this is according to Forbes. 
So, let me just step back for a second. So, it behooves us to pay attention to, I need to be the kind of person and we need to be the kind of people that pay attention so that when wealth transference, when vicarious net worth gets released into our households, into our neighborhoods, into our country, that it's not utilized for not good things, evil things, harsh things. So in the next 22 years, Forbes magazine says that the baby boomers will pass on and understand this baby boomers from 1946 to 1964, anybody born in that realm, they will pass on almost $73 trillion. They, that group, has at their disposal right now over half of the wealth in the United States, that age group. And in the next 22 years, and it's already started to happen actually, there will be $72.6 trillion transferred. Now, that, that's a kind of a meaningless number, isn't it? Let me help you a little bit with that. Uh, some of you are freaking out, and probably rightfully so, about the national debt, which last week stood at, the last time I checked, it was $33 trillion. So we're talking about twice as much money I know that we always hear it can't be paid for, but this might be part of the way. And when you hear people say, well, they want our kids to pay for it, this may be part of what the conversation is in the back of some people's minds, is how do we get that money that this group is about to pass on? How do we tap into that? And that is part of the reason why people say, some people say, we're mortgaging our children's future. It's because people have worked really hard to pass that on. I just say this. I'm not here to get political about that. I'm just saying, are we ready as a community for that kind of passing on? Now, um, I want to just pull this together. Uh, My hope today was just to kind of open your heart more for what is my responsibility and your responsibility for today and then for posturing myself or ourselves or as a faith community for the days ahead. For instance, if you have children, are your children, are you helping them pay any attention to this? Because these, these, these things are going to change the world. The, the wealth shift that's already starting to happen has the potential to change an awful lot of things for good or for not so good. So anyway, I just want to leave kind of with this thought and with this scripture, and we'll pick this back up next week. But I just want you to think about, um, I want you to think about there is no place like the church. And and the the older I get, the more I realize this, and it's, it's really concerning me, the amount of people that are not appreciating that, that have been in the church. Because I don't think, again, I don't think as leaders we've been really good at describing that there's no place like the church, describing it well. But the scripture is just full of examples. And I want to read this scripture to you. Uh, out of Acts, and I want to kind of go back to how we started. And as I read this scripture, I want you to consider a couple of things, and we'll talk about this a lot more next week, but I want you to consider the human capital, the social, financial, and intellectual capital that you have, okay? What you've been given and consider it as we read this scripture. And I want you to think in this room, for instance. Let's, let's just do it this or online. Think about it in this term. I want you to think about just, if you need to look around, look around at the room, at the people in the room. 
And I want you to think about the amount of spiritual and social capital in this room. I want you to think about the giftedness of the people in this room. I want you to think about the resources of the people in this room, the expertise. There's business leaders in this room. There's medical professionals. There's custodial people in this room. There's farmers in this room. There are people that are uh, running businesses with creative, innovative ideas. There are people that are public in, in the realm of public. I could go on and on, right? I, I don't, but think about the amount of capital in this room. Think about the brilliance of Jesus, the brilliance of the Father, and the brilliance of the Holy Spirit in breathing the church into existence. Nowhere in the universe is there anything like the church. Nowhere else are people invited, as it says like in Galatians, male and female, slave or free, Jew and Gentile, and you come into the same room with your disagreements, with your unique view of the world. Let me just help you. If this isn't your church home, but you're looking for a church home, your best place to go, in my opinion, one of them, one of the things to highly consider, don't walk into a room where everybody looks like you. Because what you gain in the room and what I gain in the room with people I don't agree with at times politically or financially, there are people here that are really struggling financially. There are people here that don't really think a lot about the money because they don't need to. They just keep going. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's in this room. And think about the opportunity and the brilliance of God that we come into this room. And you know what that creates more than anything? And the world has so tried to figure this out. And we'll talk more about this next week. But the world has desperately and rightfully so tried to figure out how do we create opportunities for people to get a hand up. And I would put before you that the church is the only place that can happen if it's, if it's lived properly, not if it's not lived properly. So anyway, here's the scripture. And think about these crazy folks when the church is first started. The book of Acts chapter 2. And just pay attention to this as I read it, and think about the people in the room and the expertise and the resources and the brilliance and how important that is for us to interact and learn from each other. And this is what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now I want to step back just for a second, and I'll just say this. Don't, don't, when it says the apostles' teaching, please do not think that we're talking about 12 people. Think about the apostolic anointing in this room of, like, business leaders, apostles in business, apostles in education, apostles at nonprofits. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs that were performed by the farmers, by the construction workers, by the folks that were at home full-time able to be there with their children, apostles, of what a household should look like or could look like. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property. They sold possessions to give to anyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So God, I just pray you would help us to know what is ours to do individually. Who is it, maybe even in this room, that we should engage with? Who could help me be a better steward of my life that's in this room or online? Thank you for the brilliance of your house, the brilliance of the church. Thank you for the people that I don't agree with Mm. and the wisdom that they bring into my life and how they help me to see things differently. God, I don't want to just be solidified in positions that I might have that are not the best that you have for me. I want what's best, and I want for my friends what's best. Thank you for the brilliance of the church. Thank you for the house. Thank you for the business leaders and the children and the prophetic voices that they have, God. So we ask as we continue forward in this that you'd help us in this conversation, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Can we stand together? And let's get ready to bless one another as we go. Pastor Claire, did you have a a blessing that you'd like to give as you put your microphone on? So maybe you want to posture yourself with your hands open your hands closed, head raised, hands raised, however you'd like to receive a blessing today. I bless my friends and pray that they would know that they would take in the reality of your just generosity and that we couldn't help each one. They can't even help it that when they walk into a room this week that people feel the generosity of God and so just breathe in that you are made in God's image the one who generously supplied billions of stars trillions of stars oceans that in and say, and God, I'm your child. I'm made in your image. Just breathe it in. And on this day, God, would we bring ourselves to affect the generosity of the world, that none of us would be closed-handed, closed-hearted, or closed-minded, but open and pouring out on anyone. So I bless my friends And say, may we all be aware of your generosity and that we belong to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Have a beautiful week, everybody.